What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Lady Bosses, and then an iHeartRadio podcast. Jesse, do you feel like I belong on this podcast? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I do, Ben. The yeah. man what, boss, what do you think, ben. What do you think is the one reason why I wouldn't belong here? Um, it's called Lady Bosses. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't really think of a reason that surrounds that title at all. Well, uh, you know what? If you hear some extra giggles in the background, that's because our, our Lady Boss of the week is in studio with us right now. TV personality and money expert Nicole Lappin launches the Money School online course, and here she, she's here to talk about it today. Um, You're man, Nicole. I, yeah, I want to hear what you guys think. So the, the podcast is called Lady Bosses. What's a man's name like? How, what, what would be the man boss name thing? I think maybe bro boss, bro boss, dude. That boss? sounds terrible. That that boss is dude. Boy, boss, well, man, boss, boss, man, boss, man, big man, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't like any of those. There's not one of those that I even feel like so I appreciate. That's why it's Ben. It's just Ben. And that's, that's why it's just, called <laughs> the lady boss. <laughs> you guys uh, figured it out. <laughs> um, Nicole, for anybody out there listening, we like to uh, to get this segment started with just you explaining yourself. And so for listeners out there, if you were to to go on a date with them and explain yourself in one minute, how would you explain yourself? On a date? Wait, this is like a date how I'm explaining myself? Oh, yeah. I like that so or much better like than like her. Because we're going to get into the professional. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You're Okay, this is a date explanation. Ben, Normally, I don't talk about like work stuff on dates. I actually say like, what are you excited about? So it can be open-ended. Okay, so what are you excited about, Nicole? <laughs> Actually, Ben, you should say that. Is are we role playing a date? What's what's happening right now? Hey, Nicole. Hey. What are you excited about? <laughs> hey, Ben. I'm really excited about launching an entire school that teaches people about money. Super stoked about that. I also took a tomahawk throwing class recently, 
and that was awesome. I realized that I like meditation. Meditation makes us happier, but I don't do the Om Shanti type stuff. And so I do random classes that are repetitive and meditative. So like a latte art making class was a recent adventure. I would love Archery. to know how to do that. Come over. The latte art? It's hard, by the way. Tip your barista. Yeah. Like, it's no joke. You have to do it in a certain angle. I walked in, like, thinking I was going to make hearts and birds and, like, all that. And he was like, maybe if you could get the contrast right at the end of this two hours, like, that would be fine. It's like, are you serious? Yeah, it's no joke. And so that's what I'm excited about, Ben. Yeah, you started the school about money. Uh, and I just want to dive in here. You're widely popular right now, but then you have a book called Rich Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to get your financial life together, finally. Yeah. What's one thing? You and Jesse both are, are experts when it comes to money. Uh, I'm not. I, I can count, uh, and that's something <laughs> I take pride in. But what are some things off the top of your head right now that we don't learn about money in, in our regular schooling? We don't learn any of it. It pisses me off so much. So I was a financial anchor for a million and a half years and I was talking to old rich white dudes about money. And then I was like, this is not the audience that needs this information most. It is my former self, the girl who was smiling and nodding and not joining basic money conversations because I was so freaked out and so scared. I grew up in an immigrant household. Um, my boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager, and I thought he wanted to be in gardening. So I was like the most clueless girl <laughs> ever. <laughs> and then I just needed a job, so I got a job in finance, and I figured out that money is a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for it growing up. And so... I left CNBC, uh, I was hearing the early morning show there, and I launched a book called Rich Bitch. And I was like, either this is going to crush it or it's going to fail miserably. But there's no in-between. And it's the first finance book that swears and takes back the word bitch and owns it as a badge of honor. And it did the latter. It, it crushed it. I mean, people. it showed me that people were so in need of this information because we learn like the Pythagorean theorem and how to dissect a frog and a ton of bullshit that I don't know why that's useful trigonometry like anybody. Also we know like why? serial killers dissect animals. Like that's like one of the things like when you trace back like common behavior between serial killers. So like you've actually- Why are we just... teaching our children though? No, exactly. Like you've just sort of, I don't know, brought something to light for me, so. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad because I actually, if I was in charge of the world, I would be like, no more serial killing lessons and more financial literacy lessons. Like, we don't learn how to do our taxes or a budget or how to make a business plan. Like, those things would be way more valuable than all the nonsense our kids are learning now. So what do you learn at the money school and, like, who can go to the money school? Anybody can go to the money school. Oh. You learn all the basics. Um, so my first book was a 12-step plan to get your financial life together. And my second book, Boss Bitch, was a 12-step plan to get your career together. So this is focusing on all the basics you need to know about making a budget, what you need to know about getting a car, a house, investing, saving, like all this stuff that sometimes we're too embarrassed to say we don't know, especially women. Like we'll talk about everything yeah, actually, uh, at ben, the dinner table before we talk about money. Do you talk about money with your guy friends? You know, it's interesting. Nicole, I want to hear what you think about this because it's a great question. I did it when I worked like in college, never used to talk about money, right? But now that I've started a couple companies, 
it's really what I talk about because I'm just trying to learn, right? I, I'm not terrible at running a business. I, I can, I, I know just enough to be dangerous, but <laughs> a lot of the decisions I'm making, like you're talking about, like building a business model, a business plan, um, my taxes right now, if you look at my desk that I'm sitting at right now, the, everything outside of the, the screen here is, uh, receipts and paperwork for tax seasons. I don't know how to do it. Um, so we talk about it now because I just need help. I don't know. And I, and I don't think I'm, you know, an incredibly stupid person. I just have never learned it. And that's, you're definitely not a stupid person. You're not. But I completely agree with you, Nicole. Women don't talk about money at all. Like zero talking about money. But we'll and talk about everything else. We'll like talk about bikini waxes and, and I realized this sexy time. About two years ago, I, tr- I brought this up to a group of my girlfriends, some of whom work in finance. And like they all clam up. Yeah. I'm like, hey, let's talk about it. Like, are you investing? Are you diversifying? Like, have you bought any stocks? And they all freak out. And I think it's just because they don't know. They don't they want to know more and they don't want to seem stupid. Totally. Nobody wants to ask a question that they don't know. And I think it's finding that inner confidence and getting rid of your imposter syndrome, because I think we all think somebody's going to find us out and we're too embarrassed and we bury our head in the sand. But budgeting sucks. Uh, so does being broke. Being broke what is more. So put your who, big who does this plan best for then? Um, is it for people like, OK, let's say my mom, for example, really smart person, uh, does a lot on her own, has has worked and been educated but, you know, when it comes to money, she doesn't touch it. Is it for people like her or totally. is it for people that in college? Like who's best fitted for your program? The thing is, so my books reached women 18 to 35 primarily, but I actually found that older women uh, needed the help as well because nobody learned it. It was even back in the day. And so and actually having moms that are going into new careers like mompreneurs or getting back in the workforce, I think that there's a big interest around re-educating yourself and this continued lifelong learning that we should all do. This is the stuff that's most valuable. So online education, of course, is exploding. And I wanted to put my stake in the ground in a meaningful way. It's interesting for me. So as I would approach this, right, if I was getting me to take your class, is it difficult? I think I'm intimidated a little bit uh, by entering into any new education. I feel like I'm learning as I go. It, it, are the lessons that you're teaching us and the skill sets that that you're providing, are they difficult to learn? Or do you feel like once we get into them, it's anybody can do it? So difficult. So complicated. So No, it's like me. So I did video lessons. Uh, there are video modules and a bunch of fun quizzes and worksheets and a community that you can talk to. So it's just the way that I talk to you guys right now is the way that I talk for hours and hours on video lessons and like show interactive stuff, bring on different experts. I have different CEOs that like run investment companies and housing companies and whatever, giving you the real deal there. And I do it in a conversational way because I didn't work at a bank. I didn't get my MBA. Like I didn't do any of that fancy stuff. So I don't speak in jargon. And I think that's the thing that really puts off most women in particular is the jargon. Again, it's a language like anything else. If you went to China and you didn't speak Chinese, you would be confused. If you go to Wall Street and you don't speak the language of money, you would be confused. So all you have to do is learn the language of money, which is oftentimes the biggest hindrance to getting your financial life together. And so that, yeah, I try not to be super scary. Do you think I'm scary, Ben? Um, are you no, guys still I mean, on a date? <laughs> what, are you exci- uh, what are you excited about? I, I mean, I, I don't think you're scary. <laughs> 
Um, I think you're a little bit intimidating. I mean, we started out this call, I think, by you saying, like, I don't belong here. Like, we need to come up with a new name for me, like, Boy Boss or something like that, which set me on my toes pretty quick because I don't feel like I belong here half the time anyways. I sit in a room full of a bunch of smart people and try to keep up. It's, it's a pretty intimidating task. Um, oh, my gosh. But no, I think you belong. I just wanted to give you more names. That's how much I like you. Well, this I'm date not. is going well. I like just like sort of being third wheel. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, Jesse, in your like kind of experience then uh, in your workplace, would programs like this be helpful to you? I mean, could you see yourself? I'm listening to Nicole talk. Would you ever put your staff through something like this? Yes, because I believe everyone should be investing and saving and putting their money to work and learning how to diversify their portfolio. I think I think what you're doing is amazing and it's Thank so you. smart and it gives people access and it also sounds like a very safe place online. But I think that's a good idea, you know, um, Ben, to put your staff through it. And also you should be, I mean, you should be getting this into high schools even. Totally. I am going to launch the Boss School coming up in a couple months that uh, tracks my second book as well. And then I have my third book coming out um, at the end of next this year, I think. Oh, no, it's this year. I don't know. Where am I right now um, with another school? And so I think, yeah, the, the more feedback that I got from, you know, companies that are buying it for their employees or groups of women who are doing it together, because studies have shown if you do it with a friend, you're more likely to stick to it. It's like a regular diet or working out if you have a trainer waiting for you or like your friend waiting outside your house to run. You're more likely to do it than without a buddy. It's interesting, too. Because I wonder, and, and Jesse and I got to talk about this a few weeks ago, uh, kind of what the evolution of education will be. Uh, it's, you know, technology moves so quickly. How does a textbook keep up with it? And year over year, you're printing new textbooks. It's not economically feasible for most of the school systems. How, I mean, so what are you going to do? Programs like yours, video content, more interactive communication, um, experts in their field like yourself. Do you see this being a trend in education? Uh, as Jesse mentioned, why not get somebody like Jesse to back you and try to get you into the school systems? Yeah. How would you actually, how would you grow a company like this? How would you grow a new uh, technology education company? So I think it's a possibility in the response that we've received so far. For me, it was hard to scale me as a person. And so I wanted to create something that could live on without me you know, physically being on the show or physically, you know, cloning myself in some way. And so as I grew my business and as you guys are as well, you know, as a personality, so to speak, the question is, like, how do you create different revenue streams that you don't have to manage or micromanage every day? And so that that was my goal. But, yes, I think growing it more um, is definitely on the horizon, allegedly. Oh, that's exciting. World domination, the yes. money school. Yeah. Well, Lady Bosses and Ben can partner with you because we're on the verge of world domination as well, if you didn't know. And uh, and part of our program is to back people like you uh, to kind of ride your coattails to success. Uh, speaking I of success, you've, you, you've brought it up a couple times, and uh, and I need to mention it. I, I want us to slow down for anybody listening and talk about um, Boss Bitch, a, a simple 12-step plan. I can be confident in saying bitch, right? Like, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. You're good with that? You all feel that. good about that? Okay, good. Um, boss Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to take charge of your career. 
just to be clear here, are all this all these programs focused on women or is it for anybody? So if you try to be all things to all people, as you guys know in the media, you're nothing to no one. And I had to choose my audience. Most men actually don't buy business books written by women. It's just fact. And most books are purchased by women. So I made a choice and I said, I'm going to speak to my former self. And I've been called a bitch in a derogatory sense. And what they meant throughout my career is that I was loud or ambitious. And I wanted not only a seat at the table, but a voice. And if that meant I was a bitch, then I'm a bitch. And I own that as a badge of honor. And so many kick-ass, powerful women as well who've endorsed it do. Because I think... You know, whatever criticism I had, and I love a debate on this, of, you know, some women say, I don't like the word bitch. I don't want to be called a bitch. Right now, I use it in an empowering way. But also the ends justified the means for me. I wanted to reach a woman who never imagined she picked up a money book, who picked it up because it was like a pretty rad title, if I don't say so myself. And so if we can get her to care about money, then we win. We all win. Because I think the language, I think I wanted to change the language that we use to talk about it so it's not as intimidating. What's it like to write? You've written two books. Girl. What's it like to write two books? Like, how long does that take you? A lot of time. I did not think I would have more than one book. I thought, like, being an anchor for so long, I would just have a book, check the box, maybe send it around for the holidays and call it a day. (laughs) Like, I didn't think it was going to become a part of my business. And... And then when I was done, I was like, never am I doing this again. (laughs) I haven't had an actual baby, but you can tell me. My girlfriends who have had babies and book babies at the same time are like, the books are way more difficult. There's no epidural for the books. (laughs) And after you're like, (laughs) we are done. Like, it's the same way as like having a baby. Like nothing is coming in. We're not doing this. Nothing's coming in or out of this situation again and then you see the baby and it's so cute and you forget the pain and you're like let's do this again and so yeah that's what happened and um yeah we're building out another book I don't know how I keep signing up for this stuff oh my goodness what's your process because I always feel like writers have a process either they do like an hour a day or they just grind it all out I don't have a process maybe I should come up with a better process um You know, I came up with a formula. I threw away a few manuscripts. It actually took me 10 years to get my first book. When people are like, how do you get a great book? And how do you do all these fancy things that go along with it? I'm like, the first step is actually writing a good book. You can't market your way out of a bad product, as you know. And so I really tried to focus on what the content was. And so for 10 years, I had a bunch of false starts. And I thought this was never going to happen for me. And I'm so glad that that didn't happen because you can't get your fir- another chance at your first book. And so Rich Bitch came out at just a really good time in the zeitgeist and people were interested in it. And I tried to, you know, change the way it was always done before and rethink it. So what are three money tips you typically give people? So many tips. To these women. That uh, you're going after. Yeah, totally. Who happen to pick up your book and typically all, all the things. Yeah, and also it has a cool title. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, talking about money and relationships, as we talked about before, you know, is some of the biggest cause of fights, financial infidelity, some of the biggest causes of divorce, and so I try to do like a sneak attack money 
uh, advice where we're talking, it feels like we're talking about relationships, but like, whoop, we're talking about how to divide your money with your significant other. You know, some of the tips I give that people don't realize is that you should negotiate everything. Um, The APR on your credit card is not gospel just because you get it. And you just have to call and ask for a lower rate. Same thing with your medical debt. Same thing with your cable bill, your cell phone bill. Um, I've done this for a few people and just taken control of all their bills and gotten everything lower because the worst thing they can say is no. And oftentimes companies will throw you a bone instead of losing you as a customer. So I often talk about that um, because I think that it's our hard-earned money. We might as well fight for it. And we don't, again, learn this stuff in school. So in the school of hard knocks, like call and you know, ask. The worst thing they can say is no. So that's one of the things I talk a lot about. Um, I also talk about um, coming up with a spending plan that feels like an eating plan. So it allows you the morning latte. I argue very hard for the morning latte. A lot of financial experts will tell you, cut out the latte and that is your ticket to financial freedom. I think if you allow yourself small indulgences, you won't end up binging later on. So like allow yourself the equivalent of you know, that Hershey's kiss so you don't end up noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night, like in a regular crash diet because you're so hungry and so deprived. Like people will say in the beginning of the year, I cut out the latte. You would be so proud of me. And then like a couple months later, I bought the Gucci purse because I didn't buy the latte. (laughs) I'm like, like, girl, if you just bought your damn latte, you wouldn't feel like you needed to get something for yourself. So I think, I think breaking it down that way, um, those are great something things that to really think about. I like I like thinking about it as a diet. That's a really smart way to. And I need my latte. Totally. I get a mocha every morning. It's like my one indulgence. Yes. When I'm trying to eat healthy and like lose the baby weight. You know, it's like you need that one sweet thing. It's just accounting for it. And so, like in any business, if it's accounted for, it's above board. It's not like you're sneaking some money. And so, I break it down to the three E's because I love alliteration. So, essentials, end game, and extras. goes to the essentials, 15% to the extras, so like the latte, and then 15% to the end game, so like your future self, what you're saving for in the future. Nicole. Whatever uh, you're excited about. You're you're obviously uh, speaking to, I think, both men and women out there. Um, What is the, and we haven't been able to ask a guest this, but I think you're the perfect person for it. What is the future of women in the workplace then? Um, what, if you're building, uh, and writing books on how you become a boss lady or how you build a career as a, as a woman, and if you're speaking to somebody like freshman college, just getting started, they're just prepping, what does their future look like in, in this world? The future depends on them. I mean, you are your business card. And so I actually think, um, we need to lean back a little bit. You know, we've been told for the last five or so years to lean into everything, work harder, be superwoman, do it all, be it all. And I actually think that we're doing a disservice by talking that way to younger women. I think putting your oxygen mask on first before helping others will ultimately make you the most successful. You know, studies have shown Mm -hmm. that happiness will make you more successful, not the other way around. I used to think that once I got a certain job or once I got a certain amount of money, then I'll be happy. And then I would get those things and then I would come up with some other goal and I wasn't happy. And so when I flip the equation, I realized that it's backward. Happiness will make you more successful, not success makes you happy. And so I think that's my biggest message right now to younger Mm. women. It's like, you know, Ariana talks a lot about 
sleeping and that's awesome. But the reality is like she wouldn't be Ariana if she slept. And so I think we need to just have a much more real conversation. And if you're not good, you're like, if you're not investing in self-care, you know, investing in yourself will pay most dividends later on. And so you're just not going to, you know, function. You're your own business card in the end of the day. I have a question for both of you then. Uh, Nicole, I know you're busy. I know you've got eight more books to write today and we've got to get you out of here. But you bring up a word that's brought up often on this podcast and it's brought up often in terms of both men and women. And it's it's one that we just throw around. And and I'm it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the word sin in in religious circles. Like, what does that exactly mean? Success. So I want to hear from both of you, not speaking just to women, but speaking to to all genders, all people. What is success then? If you say that's going to be the thing that leads to happiness or if happiness leads to success or define what you just said there, because I I missed that. Um, What is success? Yeah, you know, I think it's actually figuring out what that means for you. So you can't do it all, but I think you can have it all, but only if you define what having it all means to you. So if you come up with those goals, you know, I break them down actually into the three F's family, finance, and fun. And so thinking about your life holistically, it's not your work life or your personal life. It's your one life. If you're not happy in one area, you're not going to be happy in general. So it's figuring out what having it all means to you and not what having it all might seem to society. And I think that's success. I also think that some financial career experts are also doing a disservice to younger everybody, not just the ladies, um, by saying you go out and do what you love. Like go burn your corporate bra and go alpaca farming and make that artisanal cheese shop in Brooklyn. Like YOLO, do it now. (laughs) And I actually think it's way more valuable advice to say, love what you do. That's what I did. I hated finance. Like there was no part of me that wanted to be in money, but I needed a job. And I figured out how to love the shit out of what I was doing and not just like randomly, you know, go do something I love. I didn't have the luxury to do that. And I think, you know, some people just don't. And that's better advice. That's that's incredible right there. That little nugget. I want to sit on that before Jesse shares her insight is. I mean, I don't even need to share my insight. Yes, you do. I, I feel very, you know, I feel familiar with what you're talking about as like, a woman who attempts to do it all and like people put so much pressure on women to do it all. And I'm a mother of two small children and then I have, you know, a business and, you know, I have to travel all the time. Every month I'm in at least three cities and it's just, you know, it is a a lot of pressure to do that. And I have actually recently redefined what success does mean to me. And I think it is, I needed to figure out how to rejigger something in my life to feel happy. So I really relate to what you're saying because I think it is important. And there's so many women who do feel that way. And it's not, um, you know, I want to be a good mom and I had to figure out, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that like, when can I spend time with my kids and really, um, be a good mom? And, uh, just because I'm working doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. It just means I need to like redefine when I can spend that time with my kids and really be all in. I can't be going back and forth. And, um, and then also you have to remember to do something for you. And I think when you're a mom and you're working and running a company and, you know, managing people and I manage people, you know, from people in my house, like my nanny all the way to, you know, our, uh, company and 
it's just there's nothing left for you at the end of the day. And so it's like how like what is that? So recently I've I've just found a few things like my little latte and I do yoga and I you know, I've just been finding those. And then I also like I just started going to therapy again just to kind of like figure out what that is. I think it's so important to do some self-reflection and soul search and find that happiness. So I think success means different things to different people. But yeah, success is typically a happy word. And so I think you have to be happy to be successful. Like the and I do find like the most successful people in the world who have bajillions of dollars, like they aren't that happy. That's true. You know, I feel like I pitch them for our fund and I um, meet with them regularly and we co-invest together and they're, you know, they're, they're not that happy. So it's important. So thank you for reminding everyone of that, yeah. Nicole. Everyone needs to read her book clearly, including well, Ben. I think studies have shown that seventy five thousand above $75,000, there's like diminishing returns for happiness. Like once you can take care of your needs, your basic stuff, like there's not much, you know, more happy you get from money. So like obviously you and I've seen the bajillions of dollars of people, money is not going to make you happy. And so, you know, I think comparison is the thief of joy oftentimes because, you know, as a mom, I'm sure you sometimes compare yourself to others. And then, you know, defining what success as a mom means for you is like, hey, you know, maybe I'm not going to be focusing on this other part. And it's like letting yourself yeah, not be hard on yourself. Sometimes the biggest enemy is between our ears, right? Oh, totally. I'm so hard on myself. I've realized that uh, it's it's like you just, why do we do that? Why is everyone it's the shame? So, yeah, it's like you, you put so much pressure on yourself. And um, yeah, no, I love that. I think it's so important to think about and find those things that make you happy. I recently had um, a meeting with a woman who I'd met with a couple of years ago. And she said, oh, you have, uh, at that point, I had one kid, and she said, um, oh, you can't be a successful woman and be a mom, too. Ew. Like, you can't. And she was a very uh, prominent businesswoman and um, had been very successful and had given her whole life to her career. And I um, I took that to heart. It really, it hurt because I was like, that's not true. You know, that's not true. You just have to figure out what that is. And I actually had a cool moment recently because I re-met with her, even though I was terrified, too. And I was like, she made me feel so bad. And she has no idea. She said this one thing that I just think about all the time. And now I have two little kids and I'm still working. And she actually said, I watch you on Instagram and I have no idea how you do it. She's like, you have two little kids and you're running this huge business. Like, how do you do it? And you know, not to like toot my own horn. Yeah, in toot any it, way, girl. But it made me. You're awesome. It just made me feel. I was like, oh, that's okay. Good. I'm glad I've proved her wrong. And you can. You just have to figure out how to balance it. And there is no balance. You know, it's like you just let something drop. It's fine. I forgot to like feed my kids yesterday. But you know, whatever. It happens. <laughs> the uh, Nicole, you continue uh, to write. You continue to share. Um, thank you for giving us some thank time you. today. The, the class is called The Money School. It's a 12-step program to get your financial life together, finally. finally. And then, boss bitch. A simple 12-step <laughs> plan to take charge of your career. Nicole Appen, thank you so much. Thank you so for much. For being our lady boss thank of the week. Thank you so much, boss man. 
Who loves tea but hates that messy tea bag? Well, you'll never have to deal with it again with Tea Drops. Tea Drops makes delicious organic bagless teas that dissolve in hot water. Yep, made with finely ground loose leaf teas, Tea Drops instantly dissolve in hot water and come in fun, whimsical shapes like hearts and stars. Using all certified organic and fair trade ingredients, Tea Drops just launched a delectable dessert collection featuring fun tea blends like Forest Berry Shortcake, Aloha Pineapple, and Ginger Peach Cobbler. It's decadence without the calories. Grab one for yourself, your Valentine, or Galentine now and save 20% off. Check out MyTeaDrop.com and use code SPILLTHETEA for your discount. You deserve to treat yourself. Flex is a life-changing new period product that completely replaces tampons, pads, and menstrual cups. Flex can safely be worn for 12 hours. That means you can go your whole day and sleep through the night without worrying about leaks or tampon or pad changes. Flex was designed to address the things that make your period uncomfortable, like cramps, irritation, odor, and dryness. 97% of Flex users find Flex more comfortable than their previous period products. In fact, 78% of Flex users find it so comfortable that they forget they are even on their period. Flex was designed and founded by women to give you your life back during your period. Also, it conveniently ships to your home for free so you never need to worry about an emergency trip to the drugstore. Have the most comfortable period of your life with Flex. Go to trythedisc.com now and use promo code LADYBOSS to get an additional 30% off your first purchase. That's promo code LADYBOSS at trythedisc.com for 30% off flex. Finishing up the Lady Boss of the Week and moving in to the next segment, which highlights some of the coolest things happening around the world in business. And for this week, we're not falling short by interviewing the Manscapers. Sure, you've heard of interior design, but what about exterior design? Get a glimpse at some of the swankiest backyards you've ever seen when Backyard Envy Premieres on Bravo. Premieres on Bravo on Thursday, January seventeenth at ten nine Central. The Manscapers, an exclusive exterior design and high end landscaping firm, will transform ordinary outdoor spaces into the extraordinary. Each episode will feature a full outdoor renovation design by Manscapers, tackling outdoor spaces from rooftops to backyards in the suburbs and beyond, while dealing with multiple clients and tight deadlines. Today. On Lady Bosses and Ben, we have the Manscapers in studio. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Hi. Manscapers, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having Hi, us. Hi, thanks for having Thank us. You. So I think the question on everyone's brain is like, do you manscape? <laughs> yes, we do we it do. all. Yes, we do. Of course. <laughs> of course we do. I hope so. I mean, we manscape each other. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> How Mel trims my back hair. <laughs> so just just so we don't have to continue, we're going to refer to you as the Manscapers. It's a lot easier. But we've got James, Garrett, and Melissa in studio with us today. As Jesse mentioned, you're going to get a lot of jokes about being a Manscaper and w- what that means. Why what call does yourself that mean? the Manscapers? What does that mean, Ben? I think you should define Manscaping for the audience. Well, I mean, I think that's that's the thing. Manscaping is any upkeep done to men, which is interesting because we call ourselves Lady Bosses and Ben. And Melissa, you're part of the manscaping team. I am. Which when we started, uh, when I started studying for this interview, <laughs> my first thought was, how would you allow or why did you allow yourself to be a part of a manscaping team when there's a woman involved? Well, 
here's the thing. Our name is is just a really fun, playful play on words. We're a landscaping company, obviously, and our we're we're not gender specific. Um, we're open to everybody. But the boys like to say that I put the man in manscapers. She definitely um, does. <laughs> and you know what? I do a lot of the heavy lifting. I do a lot of the dirty work. I'm usually the one taking out the trash, driving the truck. So our company is all about everyone doing everything, um, non-gender specific. And we just thought it was a really fun, memorable name. And we like to be playful with our work, with our company. Well, our business sort of started as a like LGBT-centered and uh, advertise to business. So like a lot of our clients originally are like gay men from Chelsea in the city. And so we needed a name that we thought would grab people's attention. And a lot of our employees actually are like shirtless, hot guys, um, you know, so. <laughs> by chance yeah. or by, by, is that uh, by Totally chance? by chance. By oh, chance. Okay. Totally by, by chance. chance. Yeah. Right, guys. <laughs> it just happens to be the people that we know. Really. Uh-huh. Um, well, I know. mean, really, when it comes down to it, mm. we are the designers. But when it comes to actually installing a lot of the projects, we really just need a lot of muscle. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily require us having people that have a design degree to do some of the manual labor. So sometimes the manual labor just happens to be hot guys, you know? Yeah. Guys <laughs> I get it. Finds at the gym. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of heavy lifting that happens. <laughs> no, but we really didn't want to be a company that was just some generic landscaping name. We really wanted to stand out because for us, that was the most important thing, starting this whole thing. So yeah. what do you guys do? We do landscape design. I mean, we We're do everything from big bushes, big, big bushes, bushes. Yeah. big boxwood bushes. But we do everything from uh, we are based out of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. We work all over New York. We work in Manhattan, the New York area. And we do uh, rooftops, terraces, brownstone backyards, suburban backyards, um, the Hamptons, everywhere. So. Our company started as just a small, really a side business, a passion project, and then it just kept growing with word of mouth, and now it's become our full-time thing, and with the TV show, now it's getting, like, kind of insane, so we have to, like, figure out what to do now. So we need more manscapers. Right, and we are redefining what manscaping is. I love it. it. It's interesting to me, you know, we, some of us in the room do have a TV background, I kind of want to start at the beginning with you all. You know, this is going to be different than a lot of segments that we do. I want to just hear your story, and, and then let's end this segment on how you got to the place today where you you have a show about yourselves. You all met, um, from my understanding, just to, to cl- uh, get the listeners up to speed, uh, at design school. Am I right? The two of us did. Yeah. James and I did. Yeah. And Garrett, we all had mutual friends with Garrett. So James and I met at FIT doing interior design. And we both worked in the field for many years. And then Garrett joined our lives as our third best friend. And um, he worked in graphic design. So we all come from design backgrounds. And and just- honestly, Ben, one of the main reasons the three of us used to hang out all the time is watching every Monday night watching The Bachelor. <laughs> Literally. It was like ben, one of our biggest you bonding. You really started was. this company. You ben, started- I, ben, I started yeah. watching in your season, actually. That's when I started watching it. I was like, oh, he's cute. I like him. I'll, I'll watch this show. Oh, changing the world one episode at a time. That yeah. means a lot to me. Yeah. Thank you, team. I but, appreciate you guys. Thank you. But yeah, I... Um, yeah, all of us had basically working in offices doing design jobs, and I uh-huh. think the three of us just finally realized this is not for us, working behind a desk. 
Okay. So with Mel and James's backyard, every year we used to revamp it by just really going all out, adding plants and uh, just really turning it into like a little oasis because basically it was just a concrete slab with three brick walls on either side. And then we added plants and then we eventually actually added an above ground pool and we just really totally changed the space and we would throw these garden parties, a.k.a. my birthday party every Mm -hmm. spring. And um, people just were like, what do you how did you guys do this? And we said we did it ourselves. And then we slowly just started turning it into a business from there. Yeah. And people would get just be very impressed by the work that we were doing. Like, you should do this for a living. And. One of our friends, um, she couldn't find a landscape designer for under $20,000 to come look at her place. And I was like, we could do that, you know, for, for uh, around the same cost or maybe even less. And that's kind of how we started was small scale. Now we don't do anything under that. So, um, but. Um, oh, you've gone to the dark yeah, side. Yeah, we've gone, <laughs> exactly. We've gone to the dark. But, you know, you scale up as you grow with any business. And that's kind of, you know, where we want to be at. So, um yeah, and, that's, and, and it's just taken off because we really had a lot of connections. Like I used to work at Ralph Lauren doing store design, and uh, we a lot of our friends work in fashion and in all those different worlds. So we always had a lot of connections, and yeah. pe- you know, people we just coming out with the name, yeah. you know, first of all, and really establishing that helped catch attention. And then people were like, well, you guys are doing this now, so I guess we have to hire you. Um, and it's been great ever since then. Yeah. And then fast forward several years and um, a friend of James's who works at a production company um, loved our dynamic, loved our work and developed a TV show out of it. So it kind of fell into our lap. So we have this great business and then now we have a great TV show. That's great. What's the craziest thing you've had to do to someone's house? Or the landscape. Well, I mean, we like to say that New York City is a fourth character in the show. Um, so all of our jobs, regardless of whether they're very low budget and simple or super extreme and extravagant, they all take place in New York City. So the craziness happens by driving to the client's home, unloading the truck. How do we get this lumber on top of a building? So those logistical things all turn a little crazy when we're dealing with trains and small elevators and getting our truck towed and just kind of the craziness of New York really adds to each project. Because, I mean, you don't even think about it, but sometimes you see these really elaborate rooftops with trees and it looks so Uh beautiful, but you have no idea how they got it all up there. And sometimes it's like, you know, there's been instances where we have to actually have to take the elevator down a floor and then put the plants on top of the elevator and then ride it up. So it's always just a, a crazy adventure of how to get everything to these spaces. These are things that New York people are used to. And we go, why do we live here? Yeah. <laughs> so, I grew up in Indiana and yeah. I'm listening to you guys right now and I'm like, this is why you're crazy. Exactly. To be living in this place. Yes. Um, you all look so young. And I say that as a compliment, but I also say that because uh, either you take great care of your skin or you are young and now you have a successful business so from a, from a business perspective you have this idea you just told us the history you're working around in the backyard you realize you all have a talent for it your friends start to hire you on and now you're on TV with this skill set how did you find time to build this business while at the same time growing your customer base as what i mean you guys got to be in your 20s no no oh my god <laughs> thank, thank you, you. <laughs> 
No, I'm the youngest, actually. I'm I'm about to be 31, and then I mean, do you want to know our exact ages? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, okay. I, I really want to know. Want us to know? <laughs> yeah. Um, we. I mean, I think when you live in New York City, like Mel and I went to school. Mel actually went back to school. That's where we met. She's a she's a little bit older than me, even though you can't tell. Um, <laughs> I think when you live in New York, there's so much pressure to succeed. Like at such a young age, especially starting there. Like I moved to New York when I was 19. Um, Garrett, you were fresh out of college. Mel, you were 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of grow up very quickly and you always work. Like I always had a job throughout school the entire time. So we were constantly making connections over the past 10, 11 years. Um, and I think when you start a business, it's so either sink or swim in New York City that like you can have a super successful business within five years. And we've been able to do that. And I think it's the really nice combination of our personality types that have gotten us to where we are today. Meaning James is not scared of anything. Take the biggest idea and throw it at him. He can do it. He will fake it till he makes it. Not scared of a thing. Garrett will do the research and study and do his due diligence and be the most prepared for any project. And then I'm kind of the logistical person that puts it all together. So the three of us combined... Equal one person. Yes. <laughs> so one well-rounded person. Um, but I think that those three really strong personalities have gotten us to where we are today and really excelled us forward. I think, you know, we're a five-year-old company, and I feel like we have, I don't know, a decade's worth of experience at this right. point at least, if not more. And, I mean, a big part of it also <laughs> living in New York City is, like, we put, you know, it's our passion to make sure that all these projects look, look as amazing as they possibly can. But... Also, we've been networking basically since we moved to New York, yeah. and networking has definitely gotten us a lot of the jobs and connections. In right. New York so too. in New York, we call networking. We're called clubbing networking. <laughs> <laughs> so these two work very hard at going out Just five, out six nights room. a week. You know what? Mel used to give me so much. Can we swear? No. You can say what you want. Mel used to give me so much. Like, you know, we'd go to Fire Island, which is, you know, this sort of like gay island. I grew up going to Fire you Island. You did? I feel oh, like from every New York? Yeah, it's amazing. Wait, I, did you go to our for a gay part? What? This is going to be great, but you have to explain what Fire Island is to okay. the rest of the world. So Fire Island is, uh, it's a barrier island off the coast of Long Island, and you have to take a ferry there. There's no cars, and it's sort of like gay summer camp you know like you'll find garrett in a speedo running down the beach um check me out on fire island yeah um (laughs) and actually fire island kind of we actually get a lot of our design inspiration from it because it's a beautiful beautiful place it's like pine trees but with the beach and seagrass um so me and garrett have been going there since we've lived in new york you know to go dance and have fun and actually meet (laughs) clients like we've gotten several clients just from from going there and connecting with people and they're like oh you guys are doing manscapers oh my god we should connect or we want to be on your show or you know we have this great project for you and back to um, our name just everyone as soon as they hear manscapers is like wait 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 what mm-hmm. <laughs> tell us what is manscapers it's definitely a conversation starter oh, so yeah it's a, a, attention yeah. grabber in fire island for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. minimum twenty thousand dollars and yeah we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> manscape for so, you you know i had a question because um i'm bringing on business partners right now and it's such a hard thing to evaluate what works and what doesn't and I really loved hearing how you guys each bring something to the table Mm -hmm. and um, it's something I also uh, so I'm an investor and I invest in uh, startup companies and I also look for great partnerships in the companies we look 
we invest in. And one of the questions I always ask them, and so I'd be curious what what you guys say is, like, who's the boss? Like, who has final say? Ooh. Do you want to start, a, do you no want to start a fight right now? <laughs> I know. Us? Yeah, like, so, have um, you ever gotten into a huge argument? And how do you resolve that? We give, we sort of give in when we have to. Like, so, somebody always wins, no matter what. And I don't think it's ever one of us all the time. I right? agree. I agree. We are really good about just instinctually knowing when someone feels really strongly about mm-hmm. something and we go, okay, fine. Um, or we have it's all a of democracy us. too. Yeah. Garrett I mean, actually owns point one percent more than us. I, that uh, was my next question. <laughs> How did you define the equity? We uh we just gave it to him, honestly. I was like, I don't want that responsibility. Thirty three point point three four three four. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe you have final say. Like if you if oh, it came down. No, come on, no. no. <laughs> maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna start using that. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we gave that to you, so don't take advantage. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what I found works best for us is that all of us are designers. All of us could run a project start to finish by themselves. And we don't do that, but we all have the ability to do that. Um so if there's a question on design or budget, we all have an opinion, an informed opinion. Um, but what has really helped us is that we have taken stronger, clearer roles in what we're best at. Um, so I feel like that has been really helpful for us as a group to really define what each of us does. Right. Um, and which, which, yeah, exactly. We, especially you'll see this on the show, the three of us all have our different roles. So anything that's client relations or really budget related is James, Mel with anything construction, logistics, and then me with anything plant related. So I mean, if if it's in one of our special areas, I'd say w- that person has the most say. Yeah. And we don't always consult each other on everything. You know, if it's in our lane, we kind of, you know, know what. And we default to each other always. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to tell Garrett what plants to order for a project or I'm not going to tell Mel how to build something. And they're probably not going to tell me how to invoice a client. No, I will never do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> This is seems like such a healthy uh, partnership. Well, and, and that's a crazy part is it doesn't I have three founders at my company and it's really difficult. I mean, over communicating has been the key for us. And I'm wondering, and I know you you're just touching on it. Has it has it affected your friendships? Not yet, honestly. I don't. I don't think it has. It hasn't. Right? I wouldn't say it's affected our friendships, but it's really interesting how. I feel like I might see some like, I'm like evil eyes over here. Right. No, I, no, I just. <laughs> like, I just. Waiting for me. I really settled in to hear this answer. I'm like, how do you feel about our friendship? <laughs> no, I. I mean, I would say the interesting thing is like when it comes to work, our relationship is totally different than it comes than it's our friendship. Like, even just now, like we had lunch together, and I feel like we'll transition to. Work was off. Yeah, work yeah, is off. And really we're friends. Was. And we don't really necessarily, we don't jump back into work. And I think that's really good that we're able to turn that off and on. But when it is work related, it does get a lot more serious. And it isn't so much more of like a having fun, like love you situation. It's a little bit more like, you know. I, I think a lot of like the the thing that makes the show interesting actually to kind of go back to it is that we have no problem confronting each other at all. When we started the show, we're like, what? This is Bravo. It needs drama. How is it going to be dramatic? And one of our producers was like, there is more than enough drama just in your interactions with one another because you guys have no fear in confronting each other about anything at any moment. And I think that comes with 10 years of friendship before having a business because you're just, you're used to calling each other out all the time. 
and maybe that makes the relationship healthier. I think that's really healthy. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. It's better to just sort of face the problems yes. than to avoid them because then you'll just have a huge blow up. And we had, I found as an investor, like I'm terrified of investing in boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I'd rather invest in a marriage. Like um, there have been very successful uh, companies that have come out of uh, marriages from um, Sugarfina to Eventbrite to House. Mm-hmm. And, but we've had boyfriend, girlfriends break up like mid company. Oh, no. And you're right. an investor. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, so you still have a company and you right. need to work this out and figure it out. And usually we end up having to sort of force one out. It's very complicated. So it seems like you guys have just all the, something's working here. Yeah, I, I get I mean, the vibe in this room that you guys are good communicators. Even yeah, how well, you're talking. You know, James is saying that you know we're not afraid to confront each other, but we're also not afraid and very willing and able to take care of each other. And we are a family. Totally. Um, Mel does my laundry. Right. Well, these two are the godfather <laughs> of my daughter, and I was unfortunately hospitalized at the end of last year. They literally lived at my house, took care of my daughter, made her lunch, took her to school. I mean, they just took over. So we, there's no real separation. This is a family. This is. Yeah. It I doesn't th- get any closer. Than I think this. we know each other's oh, buttons oh too. That's such an amazing story. Oh, I th- yeah. I know. They is. they really just took over, and there was no questions asked. It was obviously I'll be there. They have keys to my house. You know, it's just it's not. There's no separation. Wow, I love that. The yeah. sometimes I uh, you know it it just feels like talking to you all. It was made for a show, mm-hmm. and it's, so. I, I want to figure out here. There's a couple things I want to talk about. One is when you started this company, was the vision and the mission? You watched The Bachelor, obviously. You knew reality television existed. Yeah. You knew the three of you had this dynamic um, that was charismatic and attractive to many. Did you think this was going to turn into a show? Was this a pursuit? Was this a um, business plan, or was this just a luck? I would say I, I'll answer this question because I'm probably the one who had the most interest in making the show, right? Um, we Mel and I had worked in TV for a little bit, working for HGTV, doing design shows, and I saw the immediate attention and success that the hosts got from being a part of it, similar to The Bachelor. I mean, getting deals and, and things like that and making money. Um, and I knew we had a cool brand that people would be interested in. So I think that putting yourself on TV, you kind of skip a lot of steps of having to market yourself for years and years and years. And we are, had already built a good reputation. So we knew that that was there, but it was really just getting our name out there to the whole world. And the show's only been on two weeks now. And I mean, our inbox is Crazy flooded. Cool. It's yeah. like, it's almost unmanageable. So That's it works. So great. <laughs> no, I, I think that James really did see the value of being on TV and it took Garrett and I a bit of convincing that this was the right thing just for us personally. No argument that it's great for our business, but personally, I think we were less um, sure than James was. Yeah. But as far yeah. as seeking it out, it, it really fell on our lap. We weren't pitching to to different production companies. We didn't have a reel or a pilot or anything. Um, it really happened to us in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with once, Bravo only, yeah. they developed everything. And once the ball started rolling, it started to make a lot more sense for all of us. So I will say, you really had the vision. We jumped on board, but. You know, we were running our business. We weren't talking to networks and production companies. So we yeah. feel really lucky in that sense. I mean, and like we were saying, like our business is only five years old. So for us, uh-huh. the most important thing is getting our business up and running to the way we want it. And I think that's always going to be something that we're continuing to keep doing. It's never going to we're never going to be satisfied with where our business is at. So the TV show thing, 
in no way, at least myself, what was that even like, I wasn't even thinking about that. But when they said like, oh, let's just do a video Skype call. And then we did that. And then they're like, okay, let's just take a meeting with Bravo. And we were like, okay, sure. Let's take a meeting with Bravo. And then they're like, okay, well, why don't we just shoot a pilot with you guys? We're like, okay, fine, let's do that. And then it just kept going. That's so. how you saw it, not me. The whole time I was like, oh, we have a TV show from the first email. It's like, we're on air already. Amazing. First day of filming, James is like, so for season two, we're yeah. probably going to do this. We're like, okay, okay. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that's good to have vision. And I think it's really good to live a little bit, you know, not – and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not um, not unrealistically, but you have to have a big head sometimes to you know to believe in your and your business and what you're doing. If you don't have that confidence, you're probably not going to succeed because other people will see that that you don't have it. I think the as there as I do the research here, you guys, I'm I'm just gonna define you all if that's okay, and you give me that yeah. right. Sure. Uh, you're big time. Uh, you're at the top of the game. People are going to be looking <laughs> up to you within the industry. Um, they already are, right? Manscapers will become a talked-about business all across the United States. But for the listeners out there, uh, I know for me uh, and my friends, we used to have little landscaping businesses in the summer, right? College kids, high school kids, you mow lawns. Uh, data is showing that that's actually becoming a better and better business because people are uh, desiring to spend more and more time with their family and friends and life gets busier. And so they are hiring out or contracting out um, landscapers to help out with their everyday yard needs. Is that a trend you're seeing uh, in New York and just kind of around the United States? And what advice would you give for these uh, high school, college students, middle school students, uh, men and women who are starting their own little landscaping businesses? Well, I definitely do see the trend getting bigger and bigger, um, especially in New York where our space is so limited. Anytime you have an outdoor space, you want to make it feel like it's part of your home. And I think that goes for even people with larger spaces, too. So we get a lot of clients more and more saying, well, we want this little patio to feel like an extension of our living room. Um, and they are valuing, you know, that outdoor space and what what elements are for our kids and where can I cook outside and where can I host and how can I have a, you know, 30 people over or whatever the case is. So we are seeing that trend that people just want to have a space to, to host and have a group. And well, especially, yeah, in New York city, I feel like a big thing is now everyone wants a staycation, not necessarily, you know, go somewhere else. And I mean, giving advice to younger people out there, I would say it's just, um, I mean, this is, it, like, follow, I mean, I don't know, follow your dreams. It's so <laughs> follow your dreams of mowing lawns. No, I, I do think for, for anyone who's interested in this line of work, um, we've really benefited from our design background. And it's not just maintenance of a plant or how to, you know, keep the lawn trimmed or whatnot, but really having the vision for what this space can be. And then also knowing the expertise about the plant stuff. You yeah, know, people so come to us because they, they don't have to babysit us with the, with the work. It's like, uh -huh. okay, I know that we're going to get a full design package from them and we can just let them go because we don't know anything about plants. And that's mostly where our clients are at. Like they'll have a, a, a slight interest in it and be like, you guys are the experts, you do it. Um, whereas I think with interior design, a lot of the times people are like, I want this sofa with this painting, with this rug. Um, and people don't really do that to us, like, well, ever. Yeah, I agree, because a lot of times, you know, everyone can shop online and have a Pinterest board and know what kind of sofa they like and what the color they want their wall. And with exterior, people are a little bit lost, and they don't know where to start. So, um, 
you know. But they're going to learn from Backyard Envy. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a big difference we found between the interior clients as opposed to exterior clients. They don't feel like they have as much control. They don't feel like experts. So that's a big reason why we quit interior design. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I guess... Did we answer that question? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that was great. But, I mean, you it benefit like people would benefit from design from school. design. Mm, yeah, and then mm-hmm. as, as far as starting the business, I mean, once you have a couple projects and you have a portfolio, this type of work is so sought after in general, and it there's there's a higher demand than there are like uh, people to actually do the the jobs. Usually, I think within landscape design, it's hard to find a good like it's always hard to find a good contractor, right? Like, right. doesn't everybody have that problem? It's also hard to find a good landscaper and a good landscape designer. So word of mouth, 100%, is a huge part of the business. That's great. This uh, this podcast, uh, before we send you off here, um, this podcast today has felt like a podcast to define success. You guys have found success. You'll continue, I believe, to find, uh, find success. To kind of answer the last question, and then I'll, uh, I'll send everybody else off telling about your show. I'd like to start with Garrett, go to Melissa, and then James. What is success to you? Success to me is, honestly, for me, I'd say it's being happy. I don't think it's necessarily um, finding a dollar amount or, you know, climbing the ladders to the top. I'd say for me, it's just finding a place that you are happy with what you're doing day to day. Because if it's something you have to do every day, I'd say make sure that you're happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um. For me, I really love feeling a sense of accomplishment, and I think that's why I've chosen to do such a hands-on uh, job. And um, so feeling a daily sense of accomplishment is what success is to me. Um, when I worked at other companies before, you know, I just remember just having a blah feeling, going in, having to do your routine, a blah feeling, you know, leaving the next day. You know, and projects could be exciting and you could still take ownership and be happy about it. But um, with our own business, I feel a huge sense of, sense of accomplishment um, almost on a, I would say on a daily basis at this point and feel really good about what we're doing. So that's success to me. Success is uh, Instagram followers, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um no. That's what I've already yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, we know, Ben. No, <laughs> no I think success. So follow I these mean, guys on Instagram. Yes, yes, follow us <laughs> at Manscapers NY. Um, no, I think, um, you know, we sought out to do something. We sought out to create something. We, and to actually be written up and to be sitting here is successful and to be able to call press outlets and be able to say, hey, we want to come in and, and talk to you guys and be taken seriously. To me, that's success because. When you can have some name recognition and people will want to sit down and talk to you and you have a seat at the table, that to me is success. And then everything else, will, money and everything will grow from there. Well, that's well, you great. Guys, Thank you. You will always have a, uh, a seat at the Lady Boss and Ben table. Thank you. Thank you. We love you guys. This is if you're out there listening, new exterior design series, Backyard Envy, recently premiered on Bravo Thursdays. 10 9 central james garrett and melissa thanks for coming in thank, thank, you. thank you so much so guys. Thank you. Thank you guys thank you so, so much today's podcast just seemed to be one where we're trying to define success it means different things to different people as we have found out nicole at the beginning of the podcast said figuring out what having it all means to you and not 
what having it all means to society. Find out how to love what you do. Garrett from Manscaper says, success is being happy. Melissa adds in daily sense of accomplishment and all that you do. And James says to create something that is worth talking about and being taken seriously. James said something at the end that I think is important as we move on with this week, finding a reason to have a seat at the table. And here's the truth. We all do, especially you, Jesse Draper, who defines success as doing something for you. And also you can be a mom and be a successful business woman. Jesse, what do you think? I, I think it's true. I think you can be both. And I think we just have to figure out how to do that and maintain our own happiness and make sure we're investing in ourselves. How do you define success, Ben? I define success into always having a purpose, a pursuit, and a path to get there. I love it. I think that, you know, that is a great note to end on. I'm your resident lady boss, Jesse Draper. And I'm just Ben. Follow Lady Bosses and Ben on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. iHeartRadio. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.